to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Czar. And I'm Peaches. Yeah, we're going to have to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I was like, who's going in what order? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. We'll work on that. All right. So let's address the elephant in the room. I had COVID last week. You sure did. Oh, my God. It it was really funny because, like, we still did our best to record, right? So, like, everybody hopped on to Discord, and I was like, I'm ready. <coughs> I, come on, guys. <laughs> I can do it. And no, and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not doing this. I can't do it. And then Zach, being the band hammer that he is, comes in and he's like, guys, you can't record with JP like this enough. <laughs> that was pretty wild getting the text from Zach right as uh, JP is like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Don't I make it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I owe Peaches an apology for that because it's like, all right, yeah, first official week of being a member of the podcast. Time to up. Oh, <laughs> JP has COVID. We just met Peaches, and then we had to wait a week later to hear anything else. <laughs> well, you know, I think the, the waiting makes it better, right? If you say so. The waiting is always too hard. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it really sucked. Don't get COVID. Heed the warning signs. Stay inside if you can. It's so not fun, man. Oh, my God. I was just so fu- unbelievably fucked up. Sco- I, like, it got in the way of the podcast. It got in the way of school. Wear a freaking mask. <laughs> oh, yeah. For the love of God, wear a mask. All right. Enough about me and my problems. It's time to start doing some podcast stuff. And I'm a little rusty. I'm still I'm already feeling a little rusty, but it is time to go down the list. And Peaches, would you like to do itinerary today? Ooh, Peaches first um, itinerary. I will give it a oh. whirl. So <laughs> don't try too hard. All right. All right. All right. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about one of the final ports from the Wii U coming to the Switch. Heck yeah. ND is back. Uh, Star Wars is getting freed from EA. The Stalker 2 update. Pokemon Snap. Some Cyberpunk updates. And we'll be closing out the itinerary with Xbox raising the live prices and then changing their mind? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's a really interesting episode because we're talking about last week's news because this is a script that was written last week that we didn't get to use because, you know, I like breathing and not dying. Big and fan. on top of that, we've yeah, <laughs> on top of that, we've got a couple of things that are really relevant. Hell, this Xbox thing just happened yesterday, and I'm really excited Don't to talk game about releases. it. Oh, yeah. And of course, we've got the game releases later, too. So uh, that is a jam packed episode, boys. Uh, what do you say? Should we get started? Run it. Let's go. All righty. So first things first, we have one of the last huge Wii U ports about to drop on the Switch. Now, look, 
we shit on the Wii U a lot on this podcast and not for no reason. Okay. It's the fucking Wii U, but (laughs) uh, honestly, honestly, but here the Wii U had a phenomenal library that cannot be denied is there's a lot of great games that came to the Wii U, but that just makes it more of a tragedy because most people who didn't know that the Wii U was its own console except for 11 million people, did not get Super Mario 3D World, which is like the top-notch Mario game in that generation of Nintendo consoles. So, we finally have the port coming to the Nintendo Switch. Now, we've got a trailer coming to us from YouTube about what we can expect, and it's a shiny, good-looking trailer. So, before I get into it, boys, like, are you excited about this Mario game? Chess, I don't even really know what your stance is on Mario games. Are you a big fan? Um, honestly, nah. Like, I saw this trailer for Mario 3D World, and I was like, alright, it's a cat girl Mario. <laughs> I'm ready for the next thing. Which is ironic, because that's exactly why Zara's gonna love it. 110%. Cat girls. <laughs> Cat Mario is best Mario. So and Super Mario 3... Oh, sorry, what? I, I was just gonna say, like, uh, to be honest, I'm not even fully sure what Bowser's Fury is. Is that a separate game, or is that also in Mario 3D World? That That is a fantastic question that I will get into here in a moment. Okay. So essentially, here's what's happening with this port. We are getting Super Mario 3D World, right? One of the highest acclaimed Mario games of all time. And right at the end of Mario's 35th anniversary. Exactly. This was a game. Well, this was a port that was announced with the 35th anniversary Mario, right? So like we got the news that this was coming out at the same time that we got like 3D All-Stars and all of the other amazing like 35th anniversary Mario things that were coming out. So let's talk about this game a little bit. So what is Super Mario 3D World? Well, I mean, the matter of fact is it's a Mario game. So, you know, it's a Mario platformer, but I I will stand behind this. This is the game that walked so that Super Mario Odyssey could jump, baby. All right. Super Mario 3D World is not just another generic Mario game. This is where they really started to step up their game on giving us all sorts of new features. Um, First of all, the world is beautiful, and it's not just about the fact that it's beautiful. The level design is so unbelievably creative in Super Mario 3D World. Yeah, linear yet explorative. It's it's crazy. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I mean when I say this is the game that walked so that Super Mario Odyssey could run. This is where Nintendo really stepped up and said, look, Mario's great. We love Mario, but we've been doing the same shit with Mario for years now. It's time to mix. It's true. And this is where we need to mix things up a little bit. That's why if you look at people who have like favorite Super Marios, this is usually one of the games at the top of their list because this is where they really stepped up their game. So first of all, a couple of new features that were introduced in this game. Cass. Yes. The power-ups. The power-ups is one of them. The introduction of Cat Mario. So, Cat Mario has a little bit of a following by now, going as far as to be included as his own member of the Super Mario Kart franchise. Isn't that wild? That's awesome. Yeah. We're not acknowledging... Yes. Cat Mario is like somebody or maybe it's Tanuki. Okay, no, you know what? It's Tanuki Mario and Cat Peach. So Cat Peach is who you can play as. But where did this cat craze come from? 
I don't I, like. I, I think I blame anime for this one. I don't know about you guys. Oh, <laughs> everyone's just like, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> this sounds like we're we're dipping into that kind of internet territory. <laughs> mm. You know what territory I mean, you perverts. <laughs> So that's one big part of this is obviously this was the introduction of like the weird cat thing going on in Super Mario games. But you know what? They're not hurting anybody. I'm fine with it. They've also got, you know, some of the older power ups like Fire Mario, Tanuki Mario, Mega Mario, Boomerang Mario, just to name a few. What the hell happened to Frog Mario? (laughs) Didn't it go to Luigi or something? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's only been seen since Super Mario Brothers 3. That was so long ago. Yeah. Like the 1980s. uh, You guys are just revealing that there are so many different animal Marios. What the hell is going on here? Furries. Mario is an expert hunter of world class. (laughs) Don't tell PETA. Oh, don't tell PETA. (laughs) All right. So we've got that going on. The power ups are just one thing that makes this particular Mario title so great. So you've got a plethora of power ups. You've got... A beautiful world with actually really good level design and really creative level design. You've got co-op. Now, in-game co-op with Nintendo games like this, I'm going to be honest, are never usually great. Um, It's usually just kind of, you know, like whoever's player one actually controls the camera and where the character goes. And whoever has the second Joy-Con kind of has to stay in that little box of wherever player one is. From what I've seen, I could be wrong here, but, you know, implementation of co-ops never fantastic in these types of games but it's got a little something so it is what it is i really hope the co-op isn't like the co-op from new super mario brothers because that is so frustrating just jumping and fucking with all of your comrades sending them to their pits of death yeah they they need a lot less interaction between uh physical encounters with your co-op partners Well, fear not, because there is also online play. I'm sorry, Peaches, were you about to say something? I was going to say, like, isn't that a big improvement from, like, what the... Wasn't there co-op in, uh, like, Mario Galaxy, where, like, your co-op partner just gathered stars as you were running around? Oh, yes, that is... Yep. It it was basically, like, the Odyssey treatment um, for Galaxy, but I guess Odyssey was more useful because the hat could actually do things. But, (laughs) yeah, Player 2 in Galaxy would just shoot the star bits and collect them. (laughs) <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, this seems like a yeah. pretty big step up from there. You're yeah, you're not wrong, but it's still not exactly where like for the family friendly console, quote unquote, has some of the worst co-op implementation I've seen in video games. But <laughs> I digress on that point uh, because there is also online play. And uh, I know Nintendo hasn't been great with their online play either, but it's slowly improving. I'm not 100% sure how they plan on implementing online play in this particular particular Mario title, but I've got high hopes. I think it'll be decent. The last big feature that I want to talk about that's new coming to this port is snapshot mode. Now, I don't understand the appeal behind snapshot mode personally. Do you guys know what snapshot mode is? It's like this trend in gaming that's happened where there's just a picture function 
for some reason where like you just get to whip out your camera phone like in a game like uh, Mario or not Mario, like Spider-Man Miles Morales or now here in Mario where you just take pictures of like the area you're in and like you pose and like you put stickers on the wall. Am I the only one that doesn't understand this trend? No, I I'm not a huge fan of it either. I mean, I get it for games like Assassin's Creed and Red Dead Redemption, like I took some funny photos in Red Dead Redemption. It was a little bit fun, but not very functional to the overall gameplay. Right. And like I had a buddy who would constantly post pictures to his Xbox profile from Assassin's Creed just because of how gorgeous the landscape was. But a photo mode for a Mario game seems more like a mini game than an internal function during levels. I, I, I don't understand the point of it. It's just kind of like, here, have a camera as a nice little bonus because you bought a cup of coffee. Well, I mean, <laughs> Fair it's, funny that, it's funny that we're talking about this because photo mode the game is on the itinerary, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I understand the irony of all that, and we'll get into that because I had to come into terms with, okay, I'm about to talk a little bit of shit on Snapchat mode, and yet I'm hyping up a game whose sole purpose is to take pictures. Like, <laughs> you, give, you give, give and take, yin and yang. So that's pretty much all. Um, overall, I say you should be very excited about Super Mario 3D World because it's like the last great Wii U title that has not been ported over yet. And this is just going to complete a lot of people's Mario collection. Now, Peaches did ask, what about Bowser's Fury? What is Bowser's Fury? Now, Bowser's Fury is a whole new little game that's been added to this port to kind of incentivize you to get that new game a little bit more. Really justify that $60 price tag for an okay, old game. I, I know, I know. But I mean, usually Nintendo puts these ports over with like nothing. You're going to rebuy this game and you're going to like it. So they put in a little something extra and I'm like, you know what? Fine, that's fair. So what is Bowser's Fury? Bowser's Fury is a complete different game. It's not DLC. It's more like its own title that you get on top of getting Super Mario 3D World. From the way they have explained it in this video, it is a kingdom of cats that live on these separate islands. You're teaming up with Bowser Jr. to try and get his dad to calm down so he doesn't destroy these islands of cats. Huh? Yeah, Bowser's looking scarier than he ever has. Oh, yeah, this is a badass Bowser. But Zara, I wanted your take on the whole cat thing, because this is your dream, isn't it? To be dressed up as a cat on an island with other cats trying to be one of them. I swear to God, you had that in a dream or something. Oh, yeah, that's that's just a nightly wet dream for me. But not only that, you get to go Super Saiyan cat to fight Bowser. These cats have special powers. <laughs> I mean, you, you guys saw that, right? The whole blonde hair thing when Mario powers up with the power aura around him. Did that oh, not yeah. seem like a DBZ yeah. ripoff? <laughs> no, it absolutely did. You're like, really, bro? Really? This I'm is gonna... what we're doing. <laughs> Just put Goku and Smash already. We know you want to put Goku and Smash. <laughs> I mean, where else did Mario really have to go? I feel like they've gone all over the place. You know, Dragon Ball Z is the next logical step, I figure, right? I mean, if they can put Minecraft in that bitch, I don't even know anymore what's going to happen. Okay, shit is wild. When you're constantly breaking your own limits, you might as well take the DBZ approach and just make power levels useless. So we've got Mario and Bowser Jr. teaming up. 
island full of cats. The thing you're collecting are called cat shines instead of like, you know, your typical superstars or your moons. No, we're going cat shines, baby. They're going all in on this cat thing. <laughs> Why do I not have this game already? Because it doesn't come out yet, but a little bit more. So Bowser, Czar, you brought up Bowser. And yes, you're 100% right. Fury Bowser is the name of this guy. And he is terrifying to look at. Okay. It's like Bowser was technically the villain of all these games. Right. But he was also cartoonish. Like, ah, I'm the bad guy. Look at my spikes. <laughs> but no, in this, he is full on giant and like a shadowy black figure of himself with fire coming out of his mouth. And he's Gigantamax. Like this is Pokemon Sword and Shield or some bullshit. And he's like, <laughs> he's not like, ah, I'm going to get you anymore. Now he's like, I am going to kill you with fire and you are going to thank me when you are dead. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> All of that just to kidnap Peach. I mean. He's sick of it. This is what not getting Peach does to a man. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what is Bowser's end goal here? I really I'm really curious about the whole Bowser thing, because like he's bad enough for his own son to betray him and team up with his mortal enemy. And Bowser doesn't even seem like he cares about Peach anymore in this. Well, not DLC, but this expansion. He's just like, fuck the world, burn the cats. This isn't about Peach anymore. This is, he's just mad. And that is pretty much it. Um, this is the last, in my opinion, great port that's coming to the Switch from the Wii U. It's coming out February 12th of 2021. So from the time this drops, hell, like three weeks, not even. So yeah, get pumped. I say this is a must own if you're a Switch guy. And that's all I pretty much have to say about that. What are we doing next, boys? We are talking about Lucasfilms in yeah. a very unlikely star returning to video games this time with a company that you might not expect. Yeah, this whole thing was screwy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's caught me off guard a lot. So for this article, we have entitled it Indiana Jones and the Curse of the Glitchy Game Studio. Eesh. This is coming to us from Bethesda.net. And as a quote from the article, Lucasfilms Games and Bethesda Softworks announced a new Indiana Jones game being developed by the award winning studio Machine Games and executively produced by game industry icon Todd Howard of Bethesda Game Studios. Wow, I did not see this coming. Yeah, if it's got the full support of Todd Howard, this is going to be a pretty good project, I would hope. Wait, Todd Howard does things other than Skyrim? Yeah, right? <laughs> that only came out like once every four years. What? And even that wasn't fully finished. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that leads to a couple of questions that I've got for you, Zar. So one... How do you feel about Bethesda being the ones to take on this project, knowing that they were recently acquired by Microsoft, who's probably going to make them actually finish the game? You've got faith there. What are you thinking? I do have faith there, but really all I have to say is I'm glad it's not EA. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. fair. Seriously, is how That's is fair. it? How is it that EA would let such a big name title like this from Lucasfilms escape their grasp? EA and Lucas are, are like snuggle buddies. How did Bethesda get this? That's a fantastic question. And unfortunately, it's one that we don't have the answer to. All we know is that it's Bethesda. Well, like 
Bethesda still has like two games in the works as it is already, right? They got Starfield, I think is what it's called. And they also are working on the next Elder Scrolls game. So like this thing, this game seems like it's going to be a long ways out. Yeah, it, it might be a while, but um, that's why they they gave it to the studio for machine games. Uh, delegate some extra resources for that. I think they got um, I think it's just Bethesda and Zenimax for Skyrim. All right. All right. I know I was kind of joking around with that earlier, but I genuinely mean it like, you know, Bethesda being the ones to have this in their hands. It is unusual that it's not EA, but it's also like, why Bethesda? You're, yeah. you know, you're you're playing with fire here, messing with such an just a famous title like Indiana Jones. And you gave it to Bethesda. It's like giving a monkey right. a loaded gun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, I wish we had more information about this. All we got from this was a little bit of a teaser trailer on YouTube that just kind of glanced over a desk, you know, with a typewriter, said machine games. And then you see a hat and someone pick up this tri-billy hat and there's a whip underneath and you just subtly hear the Indiana Jones music in the background. Which I'm not going to lie is a pretty lit trailer. Like, I'm an Indiana Jones fan, so I got some goosebumps. I'm like, oh, that was a good trailer. Well, I was just going to say, like, don't we kind of already have an Indiana Jones game in, like, Uncharted? Like, Yeah, I would say Uncharted, <laughs> Naughty Dog's version of Indiana Jones. Um, we also have a bunch of Lego Indiana Jones games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love a good Lego game. I do like Lego games. But uh, yeah, as I was saying, just based on this little trailer, we didn't get a release date. We didn't get a story. We didn't even get any gameplay. We just saw a little bit of a cinematic. I lit up when I saw Bethesda. Um, I'm not 100% sure what other games machine games have made. Definitely have to do some research into that. But the only other tidbit that we know from this is another quote from Bethesda. The standalone adventure starring the legendary archaeologist will tell a wholly original tale set at the height of his career. So we get a nice young buff Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I just looked into it. Uh, you know, Machine Games actually made the Wolfenstein games, which about half oh. of those are pretty good. I knew I had played a couple Machine Games, but and I, because I knew they were a studio from Bethesda, they got quite a few really good ones. I'm, I kind of was thinking uh, Wolfenstein. Honestly, I could okay, see the yeah, same that, art style. That gives me a little more hope because, yeah, the Wolfenstein games were pretty good. Uh, not incredible, but at least they were cohesive stories and finished, you know, not super glitchy. So I don't know. Maybe Microsoft is kind of handing this to Bethesda like, all right, guys, look, this is your first game as like one of our properties and we're going to trust you on this. Don't fuck up. Right. Well, and like, uh, I guess the the thing I'm a little bit worried about is like, how often do movie video games really translate well to like video games you know like there's uh spider-man miles morales there's, there's spider-man games there's like goldeneye for the n64 and no other goldeneyes some of the batman arkham games but like uh i don't know i feel like the, the it's kind of working against against it in terms of movie games like they just don't turn out well a lot of the time i you're absolutely right and i mean just based off of watching the indiana jones movies um it, this is actually from the Big Bang Theory, but 
Indiana Jones plays no crucial plot to any of the movies. All of the movies would have played out exactly as they did had Indiana Jones not been in the movie. <laughs> and so you got to <laughs> well, wonder, a- like, what what are they going to do with Indy? I mean, he can swing his his whip and, you know, take a gun from somebody. But ultimately, he just kind of steals something and runs away. Yeah. And see, this is this is where I disagree. And frankly, I'm a little surprised with your uh, take there, Peaches, because I know you personally are not a huge fan of the Spider-Man games for PlayStation, but you know, understand that you're an outlier in that opinion, right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I understand that some people think that's like one of the best games to come out for like the PS4. But I think it's just, a you know, average I think Spider it's- game. I think it's most people. I think most people who start, you know, spinning off like PlayStation's big IP hits. Spider-Man is always one of the games that are on the top of that list, like God of War and like Uncharted. And furthermore, GoldenEye for the N64 was a huge hit. That was a yeah, really well made game, good, actually. My main point with that was that there hasn't been a good GoldenEye since then. GoldenEye for the N64 is the only good like James Bond game. Uh, you know Ever. what? Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll stand by on that one, Peaches. There has never been a good 007 game aside from Goldeneye. Well, we're just going to have to wait and put our faith in Bethesda here because this is either going to be really, really good or really, really bad, unfortunately. And since I'm not a huge Bethesda or Microsoft fan here, I'm just like an observer and lover of video games. I'm sitting here with my bucket of popcorn. (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't have a dog in the race. I I want it to be good. If it's good, fantastic. If not, ha! Yay, Xbox has another IP. (laughs) Woo! Woo, IPs. But yeah, that's pretty much all we got for Indiana Jones and Bethesda. Really looking forward to it. We'll get a release date out to all you fine listeners as soon as we see one. All right, what's up next? I think we got some Star Wars news. Yeah, up next, we got an article from Dan Brooks on StarWars.com, which uh, basically the article is just saying that Lucasfilm's games is, you know, they're back and they're looking to expand the Star Wars universe all across like video games. There's uh, EA no longer has sole control over... Star Wars, which is, uh, I think, great Thank news for everybody. <laughs> Finally, people are taking IPs away from EA. Hey, wait a minute. You're not good at this at all. <laughs> <laughs> you have bad business practices. Why would anyone buy your game? Well, and here's <laughs> the thing. Like, uh, they they said in the article that EA is not fully disconnected from Star Wars, but EA does not solely control Star Wars anymore. So... I mean, we can look forward to different Star Wars games coming from different, you know, studios like uh, Ubisoft is currently working on an open world Star Wars. And uh, I think that's going to be made by Massive Entertainment, uh, if I remember correctly. Mm. But uh, really, I think this is just great news for, you know, people who want some like competition in the Star Wars, you know, video game universe. It's about time. How now, cool would it be if Disney and Square Enix teamed up for a Star Wars game? It would be phenomenal. Because, I mean, Disney already owns the rights. What would that look like? Like a Final Fantasy Star Wars game? Oh, that'd be so cool. I mean, you could make it in like a Clone Wars style. Oh, that'd be so cool. 
I would love Clone Wars style Square Enix and Disney Star Wars. You know, having that animated Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan. It could be interesting for sure. I think I'm really interested in this open world Star Wars game. I think that's a a territory that hasn't been uh, like uh, they haven't gotten too much into the open world of Star Wars. And there's so much universe universe to Star Wars. Like, why are we not? going with that more why are we doing all these linear games like like uh force unleashed one and two like what was what was that whole thing about oh the most tedious annoying gameplay ever so i've heard <laughs> i mean it was fun don't get me wrong uh, sorry jp i kind of interrupted you there uh what were you gonna say before i got off on a tangent about oh no absolutely no that was fantastic um i was just gonna say like on a personal level I actually don't think EA has done a terrible job with the Star Wars franchise. I think they're guilty of making the same mistakes. Battlefront (laughs) 2. Okay, okay, but how many Star Wars games have there been? There's been a lot of Star Wars games that EA's worked on. Granted, not all of them have been hits, but come on. Battlefronts are usually pretty good. Um, it's just that they're, what I have the problem with is that they're not exempt from EA's cheesy fucking business practices of microtransactions the second you buy the game. That's why I'm a little irked by this, but to go off of what Peaches was saying, he's absolutely right in the fact that Star Wars has a very deep, loyal lore that they're working with here, and most of it, unfortunately, has kind of gone to the wayside, especially after Disney's acquisition, but the idea of an open-world Star Wars game is so intriguing. Could you imagine what that would look like? It would be like No Man's Sky mixed with Breath of the Wild mixed with Hate the new Halo. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that Breath of the Mild. Hold on, let's get back to that. Breath of the Mild. (laughs) It's a a lesser known title. It's only true Uh, Zelda fans know about it. But I really think we kind of peaked at that that potential with with the newest Star Wars game. Uh, What was it? Uh, um, It just came out like last year. The Fallen Order? Yeah, Jedi Fallen Order. It was so close to being a super high quality Star Wars game, right? And I think that if they can kind of like take guidance from that, we have a lot of good Star Wars games to look forward to coming up. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know of any Star Wars games that have been like super bad. There's been plenty that have been good. A few Star that Wars have been okay. You play as Boba Fett and it's terrible. uh, Dude, even that wasn't terrible. Like the only redeeming quality was shooting the droids as they passed by (laughs) you on the street. (laughs) Okay, yeah. But even then, I mean, take into consideration. Like, like, it's bad, but on a Star Wars level. I give like the lowest quality Star Wars games probably still a five out of ten, which is like not an average game. Unplayable. Yeah, exactly. Um, really, I mean, the from the looks of it, obviously Disney just wants to expand how many people can make Star Wars games because they're, you know, they're just they're trying to make more cash off of Star Wars. Right. The the movies are getting slowed down. So they're like, all right, well, how can we keep milking Star Wars without making a movie? And without EA having sole control of Star Wars, you can make a lot more money off Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I just on a personal level don't have that much of a problem with them like trying to monetize Star Wars because of course they're going to try and do that as long as Mm -hmm. they're putting out quality products you know yeah yeah for sure and I think taking it away from EA increases the potential for quality products because you know 
competition is uh, generally good for uh, higher quality products. Speaking of which, Peaches, obviously you, you're a Star Wars fan and you've got a dog in the race of you have a decent amount of knowledge about Star Wars games. Besides being open world, which you did mention, what are some other things that you would love to see in like your personal love letter to a Star Wars game? So what I would really like is just, uh, I don't know, did anybody play Jedi Academy way back, way back oh, when? No, no, but I heard it was fantastic. I'd like to see some kind of Jedi Academy stuff coming back, you know, like you kind of get to create your own character, you know, I get to rise up through the ranks of the Jedi, you know, I think that's a, a really unexplored territory. Like a lot of the Star Wars games, you're just kind of a lone wanderer and you'd have like no interactions with people outside of like the static people like in the most recent Fallen Order, you just interact with your crew and you don't really interact yeah. with that many people. And there's just there's so much potential that you could see from uh, the Knights of the Old Republic game of like interacting with Jedis and stuff like that, that I feel like we're really missing out on a lot. Yeah, just interaction. I want to see a lot more like interconnectivity. Um, I want to see like different storylines like of Sith and Jedi. I want to mm-hmm. see some pretty cool like crafting systems where you get to like create your own lightsaber and customize it. I oh, mean, that would be so cool. I... I just want like a, I want a more customized experience. So like, so nobody is like experiencing Star Wars the same way as another person. You know, I want Mass Effect with Star Wars. Do we have a uh, an era of when this game takes place? Like, is it at the height of the Jedi Order after the Jedi Order has fallen? Well before, like, do we, we have, do we know that we have we have no information for at least on the Ubisoft front of like what time period this is taking place because you know Knights of the Old Republic is like thousands of years before like the Star Wars movies right and mm-hmm. Fallen Order I believe takes place sometime after the movies if I remember correctly but yeah we have we don't really have a timeline of like where this is going to take place in the Star Wars universe but um, yeah, with that, I mean, do we, do we got anything else to say about it? I think that's all I've pretty much summed up my thoughts. It has a lot of potential, but I just we got to see what happens. Yeah, 100 percent. It's one of those things where, again, they're a monkey with a loaded gun. You're playing with fire here and you have the opportunity to make something really awesome, but it can just as easily fall through if you don't give it the respect and the time that it needs. So give it the respect and time that it needs. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put. <laughs> All right, what do we got next, boys? All right, well, we Ooh, are... Ta- I'm excited for this one. Yeah, it is a new horror-type game. Um, yeah. And we're talking about some Stalker 2 updates. And this is coming to us from Xbox.com, written by Zakir Bokrov. Yeah, we'll go with Zakir Bro- Bokrov. <laughs> Anywho. Thank you, Zakir. <laughs> so I... Um, before this had never actually heard of stalkers or maybe I had in passing, but this looks really, really cool. So stalkers two is a first person survival horror game made by Ukrainian game developer studio GSC game world. And see what's great about this is to Ukraine. It's just another day in Ukraine. This is actually a life sim for them. Just another day in the life. All right. So, (laughs) Stalker, 
um, is actually an acronym. And it stands for Scavengers, Trespassers, Adventurers, Loners, Killers, Explorers, and Robbers. So that sounds like a lot of fun all on its own. A lot of exploration and a lot of death. That's a little long for an acronym for me, but... (laughs) (laughs) For my acronym taste. (laughs) Anywho, um, so what uh, Zach actually put in the... Uh, article here is is a really fun anecdote. So coming from a uh, quote from the article, some of our fans may recognize the hardly distinguishable guitar motif. Uh, if this tune evokes your nostalgia feelings, that's because it's taken from a lifeline song by famous Russian rock band Spleen. And I, I guess they Sick just... Name. Yeah. <laughs> Name recognition there. The guitar riff was actually phenomenal. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So that was a nice little tidbit, I thought. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't have a lot of, I I barely even noticed it, to be honest. Like, I could, (laughs) I watched the trailer and I don't know. It just kind of blended in, you know? Maybe that's It's one of those things where, it's one of those things where it's like, "Eh, if you know, you know. Sure. If If it tickles you in the right spot, it just does. Anyways, are now in Stalker 2, the player takes the role of a character named Skiff, and apparently we'll hear this code name a lot. So put that in your memory. Remember that. Remember that. Remember that. Remember that. Remember that. Skiff. And from this, we got a little bit of a trailer. And in that short scene, this all takes place in a ruined school on the outskirts of the dead town of Pripyat. Pripyat? Propriet, uh, that Russian place, you know, from Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. 50,000 people used to live in this town. Now it's a ghost yeah. town. Whatever the hell yeah, Russian city it. that is. <laughs> That's pretty much all we know from this. There's going to be a lot of exploration, a lot of kind of supernatural effects because the main character was being chased through what looked like a school or an office building by some really fucked up haunting. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. This it, tickles me so much, man. I haven't seen a good looking horror game in a hot minute. This looks amazing. Yeah. First person shooter at that too. You know, I mean, survival horror has really kind of dwindled as of lately, you know, making way for obs- observational horror where you're running around and can do virtually nothing to your environment. It's except run like a little baby. <laughs> things that like sle- yeah, things that like slender really popularized, popularized, right? Yeah, we haven't seen any survival horror like classic Resident Evil or Condemned Criminal Origins in a long time. But this game looks like it may take that man- mantle of being scary while having a lot of good exploration and loot to uh, sustain players. I'm thinking like uh, I'm thinking like uh, Dying Light. It reminds me a little bit of like, did you play that, Czar? Oh, yeah. You introduced me to Dying Light. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? Well, how great was it? Uh, It it is pretty freaking phenomenal, if I do say so myself. Yeah, the game. The trailer really made me feel like it was nighttime and I was being chased by a pack of volatiles in Dying Light. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of fear level you're feeling here. You know, you do have the means to survive and take care of yourself, but it ain't going to be easy. Well, right on. 
Well, and something that intrigued and something that intrigued me about it is like you from the trailer you can kind of tell you're being chased by something, but you're also like trying to like fight against the environment from what it looked like, which is a pretty interesting concept that I mean, I've never played a stalker game before, but it looked pretty cool. Yeah, well, yeah, it's that's Russia. A great point. You, don't, you don't fight the <laughs> other people. You also fight to survive in the environment. <laughs> that's Russia for you. And actually, in that note, there is um, like a radioactive principle to it where you have to manage. I don't remember what they called it. It was like a, a plague meter or something. And if you were in certain areas that were heavier with right. plague, you know, it, it, it's basically like. Re- um, radiation. So that's another thing you'll have to monitor, maybe even food and such. But like I said, we don't have too much information because this hasn't even been announced yet. We don't have a release date, but we do know that they are doing some updates with during their development status. Um, from the article, they say that we're progressing smoothly, including Xbox Series X slash S, versions as well the aim is to deliver the product of the highest quality possible on every platform it's announced for with fast solid state drive rtx support and 4k resolution we are pleased to see how stalkers 2 is shaping up to be the ultimate experience that we have initially promised and boy does it look like an ultimate terrifying experience i am so excited for it hell yeah i'll pick this up as soon as i can too same Z's, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got for Stalkers 2. Let's get into some really hype Nintendo news. All right, so it's kind of weird going straight into this from Stalker, but you know what else is terrible? <laughs> you know, it's just like the exact opposite. We took a left turn. We took another <laughs> left turn. <laughs> Yeah, this is about as far from a horror game as you could possibly get. And weirdly enough, I was just shitting on this style of gameplay earlier, and now I'm like all over it because that's just who I am. I have been saying for a very long time now when it comes to Nintendo games, why the fuck are you not doing anything with Pokemon Snap? Well, boys. Right? The, right? Right? What happened to Pokemon <laughs> Snap? You had something awesome, and it's gone. You're, it's beautiful, okay? You, you take pictures of Pokemon. You don't catch the Pokemon. You just take pictures of Pokemon, and you throw apples at them to make things in the world happen, and you take more <laughs> pictures. <sighs> <sighs> it's the keto-friendly Pokemon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Whew. Well, you heard it here first and you heard it. Well, probably not, honestly, because it's been available for a while and I had COVID. But you're hearing it now again. We, we have did post it on Twitter, though, so they may have saw it first from us. Yeah, that's fair. We have new Pokemon Snap being released on April 30th, 2021. That is three months away, people. Not that long at all. The wait for the next Pokemon Snap game is over. Woo. Now... A few interesting things about this game. I didn't know what to expect because we're pretty deep in Pokemon now, right? We're on generation like what, eight or nine? I think it's nine. Yeah, like it's crazy. We just got another set of new Pokemon games with Pokemon Sword and Shield. So I didn't know what to expect in this Pokemon, like as far as like what Pokemon are they going to use? What region is this going to be set in? Which of the professors are they using? To my surprise, they're pretty much doing it from scratch. So first of all, 
this new region is going to be called the Lentil region. I'm not a huge fan of that uh, name, and I'm even less a name of the professor. We have Professor Mirror. I think that's a little silly. Like, what happened? No more silly than naming all of your professors after trees, mind you, but still. <laughs> Willow, Oak, Birch, Mirror. It's like, what? I, I mean, they, they named the uh, the whole region after, like, what was it? Like, like garbage vegetable, a lentil. So. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, right. the only... The only qualification you need to be a Pokemon professor in the universe is being named after a tree. Lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are the only things that threw me for a little bit of a loop, because based on the trailer that Nintendo gave us uh, about a week and a half ago, everything else about this game has blown me away just from what we've been seeing so far. It looks beautiful. It looks immersive. It looks like there's a huge diversity of Pokemon, and that is probably the most important factor in this kind of game. Because, you know, the first Pokemon Snap was so long ago that after only seeing the first 150 Pokemon in the game, and I don't even think we got a, the whole 150 roster, it feels like you're seeing, like, the same faces over and over again after a while. Yeah. But now we're at a new point in Pokemon, baby. There are 900, over 900 different kind of Pokemon now. They can do so freaking much with this world that they've created. And I am that's why I'm so excited for this new Pokemon Snap, because I think that just based off the gameplay, which honestly probably isn't going to change that much, we're going to see just what we loved about the first Pokemon Snap, which is the world of Pokemon being brought to us. But like in its enhanced version with all of the Pokemon, I don't know if every single Pokemon is going to be in this game. That'd be awesome. But at the very least, we're going to see a pretty huge roster and obviously brought to modern graphics, just a very beautiful looking world. I'm ecstatic, boys. You know, it's like, I don't know what's going on with me. I was just shitting on, you know, photo mode of Super Mario 3D World earlier. This game is literally just dedicated to taking pictures of Pokemon. And I'm ecstatic. What do you guys think? Like this game really is set separately in the Pokemon universe from any other type of game. Because, you know, with the mainstream, the mainline games in Pokemon, the player manipulates and interacts in the world. You know, they cut the trees, they catch the Pokemon, they become the champion. Mm -hmm. What makes this game different is you have everything that is Pokemon, the entire world of Pokemon, but you don't do a damn thing. You are there to watch just everyday life in the Pokemon world and see these interactions without interacting with the Pokemon yourself. And that's so cool because it, it's it's like a zoo experience. You know, you get to see what Pokemon do when they're not being abused. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, that's what Pokemon is. It's just a Michael Vick simulator. It's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Peaches, it sounds like you had a hot take. Now, as someone who's quote unquote, not a fan of Pokemon, but you've played every Pokemon game. What do you think of new Pokemon Snap? Look, it's photo mode the game, right? I yes. loved this game back when it was on the N64. I'm not really looking forward to this one. It's... Why would I play Pokemon to be some basic bitch that can't even catch and make the Pokemon fight? 
I'm just here to take <laughs> pictures of the Pokemon. And Zar compared it to a zoo. You want to know one thing I hate? The fucking zoo. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is this. I'm, I'm not looking forward to this game. It's it just seems like you're taking the fun part of Pokemon out of Pokemon. But you said yourself that you play Pokemon games for the world of Pokemon and that, in fact, the gameplay itself can get mundane. I mean, so this is a way for you to experience something new, but still be involved with the world of Pokemon. I figured you would have been excited about this. The the fun part of Pokemon is the the Pokemon fighting, right? The it's not like the when, when I see like a uh, if I saw a Meganium, right? I wouldn't just be like, "Wow, that's a Meganium," and then I walk I walk away from it. No, I want to try <laughs> to catch the goddamn Meganium. All right, like that's the whole thing. <laughs> that yeah, that's fair. Although Peaches does bring up a really good point, you know, having loved the first Pokemon Snap on the N64, do you guys think that they they may be releasing this well past what hype it could have generated? Because, I mean, a lot of the people who, who see this, I mean, not in our age range, but like have never experienced a Pokemon Snap. And so the incentive for them is, you know, kind of like, why should I be interested in this when I could be battling my Pokemon? Do you think we've kind of moved past where right. Pokemon Snap could be? That's a fantastic question. And am I, I'm not going to make the argument that they should have put other games out in between the first Pokemon Snap and this Pokemon Snap, you know, because this is a franchise that was beginning to be forgotten. But if there's one thing that this generation of like us, our age, our generation, not to mention the fact that it's being amplified by COVID is going through right now, it's nostalgia. So, you know, it's clear that this is supposed to be a game that offers a little bit to new people to Pokemon Snap, you know, to the kids who these consoles are actually supposed to be for, and the man children <laughs> like us who remember the first game and are really excited to kind of relive a little bit of that magic. So, I mean, is it going to have as much of an impact coming out now? Honestly, probably not. But I think that there's still a really solid base of people who are really excited to get their hands on this game, and I'm one of them. Well... Here's the thing. If you want to cash in on my nostalgia, give me fucking Pokemon Stadium. Give me Pokemon Coliseum. I would buy those right away, man. Right good away. Point. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, nine, nine generation Pokemon Stadium. Oh, Ooh. I need that. That Dude. would be awesome. Each with their own animations and the moves. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing that that would be fucking amazing. But I am excited for Pokemon Snap. <laughs> uh, like, just of all the happy. games to bring back to cash in on nostalgia, I don't understand why this one. You know what I mean? Eh, yeah, it's a fair I, point. But, and it is like a fair I was point. saying. I mean, they may have waited a little too long to bring back Pokemon Snap. I mean, it has been what, like 20 years? Oh, at least, dude. I mean, so Pokemon started up in what, 96? And then that Probably was about 99 was, was Snap. Yeah, so only a few years after Pokemon started really hitting, you know, Japan and then the eventually the United States. And that was back when there was 151 Pokemon. And it's just, like I said, I understand the point that you're both is, are making. They definitely could have, at the very least, made a few games in between then and now to keep the Pokemon Snap 
hype alive. And they definitely could have gone with another game like Pokemon Coliseum or uh, what's the uh, what's the one with Dark Lugia? Oh, um, is that Gale Gale Darkness or something? Gale of Darkness or something like that. That was one of my favorite Pokemon games ever made. And it kind of went away from the normal formula. So I get what Peaches is saying. All right. Well, there's not a whole lot else that I really have to say about this. Very excited. You should be, too. Um, What else do we have on the docket, boys? All right. Well, Cyberpunk released a or the Cyberpunk Twitter released a video kind of explaining the whole situation of what went down with Cyberpunk, why it's in the state that it's in and, uh, you know, their plans for the future. In that video, they talk a bit about like some of the technical stuff about why it looks so much worse on console and why it plays so much worse on console. And they they also talk about how they don't want the uh, developers getting any flack because it was a decision from the co-founders and the board uh, to release the game early. Right. But to be honest, we already knew that like it was the co-founders and the board that decided to release the game early, even though it was unfinished. You know, anybody that's, you know, thinking with half their brain is like, yeah, no, the co-founders and the board clearly were the ones that made the mistake. And I mean, you're admitting to it, but it doesn't seem like you're very apologetic because, you you know, they seem to have the, you know, fuck you, I got mine mentality. Mm-hmm. Like from when, from when they're saying that. Sure. But on the bright side, uh, they did say that they are releasing three I think, or free DLCs. Okay. But they didn't say what the content of those DLCs is going to be. And they also said they're planning to keep fixing the game. So I'm going to pass it off to you guys. Like, what do you think about all this? Like, do you think that there's potential in those DLCs or the hot fixes to really get this game back on the market? Well, there better be. I mean, they're not going to do better <laughs> otherwise. Basically, when I watched this little video... I really got that image from South Park. You know, the guy who just keeps going shot to shot. We're sorry. (laughs) We're sorry. (laughs) We're sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's exactly how I felt. It's like, you know, they really are. We're operating with the like better to ask forgiveness than ask permission, you know? And I mean, I get deadlines and crunches, but if they knew full well that the game was not going to be ready for consoles, like especially current gen consoles, let alone being still broken on the next gen consoles. Why the fuck didn't they just make this a PC game? Like this just smells PC. Well, yeah, and they they said that in the video, right? They said that they started with PC and they had it, they got it working from there. And then they tried to kind of work backwards from PC to get it working on uh, consoles, which is a dumb idea, just like on its face, because consoles are not as strong as PCs. No, you don't work <laughs> backwards like that. You start on the consoles and make it to PC. That's like you don't see many PC only titles go to the console unless they're completely broken because, you know, they were always originally a PC game. Mm-hmm. So here here's the thing. From every cyberpunk review that I've watched so far, including the one that Peaches and I and uh, Czar and Zach made, 
Peaches, you and I enjoyed our experience with the game, but I'm seeing two different mentalities when it comes to people who are reviewing the game. I'm seeing the mentality like the one that we had where we're like, I'm going to judge this game based off what it is. And then I see a lot of people on YouTube who are like, I'm judging this based off what was promised and what it could have been. Now, I didn't know too much about the game before it came out, honestly. I knew it had a date, I knew it was super pumped up, and we watched some videos, but I didn't know all of the things that the CD Projekt Red wanted to do with this game that I didn't get to experience, and because of that, I had a great time playing the game. But the more I'm watching videos of things that were supposed to be in the game that had to be scrapped because of this time arbitrary timeline that they put on for themselves, the more I feel like I got cheated a little bit. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. the more I'm hearing about things like, did you know there were supposed to be flying cars and like a cool rail system? I was like, no, that sounds really cool, though. And they're like, did you know that the cop system was implemented last minute and that's why it's a little unresponsive? I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> and that's what I keep hearing is like, why would law enforcement be an afterthought? Yeah, that's ex exactly <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of the boat I'm in right now where like. Yeah, I am having a great time playing the game, but the more I know or the more information I'm getting about what they wanted to do and what it could have been, the more disappointed in my experience I'm starting to become. And I don't know if that's fair or not. Well, here's my thing with it. It's I I played the game. I knew what like some of the expectations were and like some of the stuff that was supposed to be there, but at the end of the day, like I, I really feel like I had a ton of fun with the game and I really love the story that they were telling. So like these little extra like features that would have just like added some flavor. I don't miss them too much because the game stands really well without them. That hmm. being said, I would love to see them get, you know, make their way into the game because I mean... <sighs> If they were able to add everything they wanted to add to this game, I think that, like, you know, it really is going to it would be the next Skyrim, right? Like it would be the game everybody talks about for like a decade. That's how it's been hyped up to be. Well, to me, it's like more of like I'm watching more and more videos of what CD Projekt Red promised this game was going to be. And even though we had a great time with the game and we gave it these really high, really good reviews, I think these people make a point in saying that, you know, look, my expectations were obviously high from the hype, but also these were things that were promised by CD Projekt Red and just did not come into fruition simply because they wanted to put out the game and make their money. Because of that, we got a pretty good product, but we could have had something much more. Yeah. And I don't like that mindset of like, oh, this could be so much better and I could have had it great. I'm more of a guy like, let's appreciate this for what it is. But if CD's Projects Red's goal was to make the next Skyrim, which obviously they were trying to do was make like one of the best, greatest games ever made, then they should have took the time to do that. I think that's why people are mostly upset. And that's why I think that the DLC that they're putting out in the near future should probably be free. Um, yeah, so I think they're they said the video, their immediate DLCs are going to be free, but they didn't really say what the content of those DLCs is going to be. And so I'm really I'm curious to be uh, looking at what that is. That is because if, it, if they're just adding cosmetics, like, come on, you, you do owe people more than that. Certainly. I 100 percent agree. Well, clearly there's going to be a lot of patches and hot fixes that are going to be going out throughout the year. So hopefully they can get this game back on track. 
Yep. They, I think they said in the video, they got three hot fixes. Uh, they've, or they've already come out with three hot fixes and they're still updating it. And you're, they're going to continue releasing those, uh, throughout the year. And it's going to take all year. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't have much else to say about that. Uh, so if we're ready to move on, do you guys got any final thoughts there? I do like cyberpunk. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come I do like cyberpunk, but I'm not completely done with the game, but I have been enjoying my experience with the game. And I just wanted to throw that out there. I do like cyberpunk. I'm not retracting <laughs> the score I gave it the other day in the review. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. No, I, I stand by uh, my rating. I, I think it still holds that, but you know, it could have been a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Could have, would have, should have. Yeah. All right, guys, are you ready for our last little news tidbit for the day before game releases? I'm really excited to talk about this, so yeah. (laughs) Do it up. So we have some non-news with a reverse Uno card slapped on top. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So two days ago, today is the 23rd, uh, Saturday the 23rd, so like Thursday... Xbox comes out on Twitter and this starts trending saying that they're going to raise the price of Xbox Live Gold subscriptions to $60 a month for six months. And I mean, that price tag right there used to cover an entire year of gold. But not only that, all of the games with gold, so you get three games well, I think like four or five games a month that you can download for free and play. If your gold subscription were to run out, you could no longer play those games until you renewed your subscription. Hmm. Hmm. And so that like I said, is yeah. nutty. Yeah. So like I said, this started trending on Twitter. And what do you think the response was? I think people were probably pretty understanding, you know, it's been $60 for a while. You know, they they were probably like, yeah, no, it makes sense to double the price on us. <laughs> That's a good one, Peaches. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure people were very understanding and respectful of Microsoft on social. Nah, just kidding, bitch. They attacked him. <laughs> nah, bitch, including me. I have everybody who was an Xbox fan was livid and tweeting at them just as they should why? be. Yeah. And Peaches, you made the point last night when we were talking about this through text that speculatory, this is where they were covering the difference of cost between their console to the PlayStation is bumping up gold prices. But that would make no sense for a person like me who doesn't plan on getting the new console for quite a while and I still have to pay for the new console? Yeah. Yeah? I mean, and uh, at the same time, like, why raise the price right now? We're, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. People have lost jobs, everything. I'm not going to go on, like, a soapbox about that. Everyone's heard about that enough. But this is just not the right time to double the price of Xbox Live Gold. No. I, yeah. I just I mean, I don't no get kidding. it. No kidding. I agree. There wasn't going to be a right time to do this, though. Outrage would have been met no matter what, because like a couple bucks a a month adding that on top, maybe. But you're literally doubling the price of your service and just expecting people to be like, oh, cool. Like what? Yeah, Yeah, I totally get if it was three, four bucks, whatever. I, I don't really care about that. But yeah, no, you can't double 
a subscription cost and take games that you give to players for free away from them for not having your subscription. Okay, so what was Xbox's response after, you know, all of the attacks and crazy fans started coming in? Well, the next day they came out with a tweet and said, today was not a good day. (laughs) 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 They just straight up were like, yeah, we kind of fucked up right here. We're no longer going to increase the price hike and... Every game that you download free with gold subscription, we will not take away regardless of membership status. So they just completely pulled the ripcord right after all of the outlash from the fans and Twitter community, which on the one hand, you're an idiot because, I mean, you could have seen how this was going to go. It didn't need to take you 24 hours to reverse this decision. Oh, yeah, it doesn't take a PR specialist to be like, people are probably going to be upset about this. (laughs) Yeah, never should have done it in the first place. But on the other hand, Xbox really listened to the fans and, you know, they went they went back. They took everything back and, you know, they made things right. So I guess all in all, at the end of the day, nothing really happened. But we were mad for about 24 hours. Uh, You guys want to put on some tinfoil hats here for a second? Oh, hell yeah. It's my favorite hat. Now, they clearly knew by doubling the price, they were going to get backlash. So what if this was all like a PR stunt, build goodwill by creating, uh, you know, backlash and then saying that you're going to listen to the gamers when you immediately change your, you know, put the Uno reverse card down, say, you know what? We're listening to you guys and we're, we're not going to double the price on you. Therefore, building more goodwill among the people and, you know, that you use that going forward to help sell your products. I think that's a, that could be likely. I think what would have been the better PR stunt is, you know, maybe ask the players how they would feel about a price hike instead of just telling them that you're going to do it. Cause I mean, I kind of lost a little bit of faith in Xbox, how overnight they doubled the cost of their subscription. And I just had to deal with it. That, that, just seemed very nefarious and like I was not being heard. But I see I see That's what exactly. you're getting at here. That's exactly what I was about to say is like there's not enough in my opinion to be gained out of a PR stunt like that. Because you can have the mindset of like, "Oh, look, Xbox really listens to us." And I'd be like, "Yeah, but they still tried to fuck you all over." Like hardcore to me, like, that's so that's not worth it <laughs> to be seen as like, the, hey, we listen to our audience. Isn't that great? Like, no, that's not great. You just tried to take all of our money. The thing is, goodwill uh, for companies is capital to be spent, right? Like we were just talking about cyberpunk. The Witcher, the CD Projekt Red built up a bunch of goodwill with The Witcher 3 to then spend it on releasing cyberpunk early so they could make their money. I don't know, man, because Nintendo has been taking more flack as of recently than I've ever seen them taking for, like, you know, pulling the cord on that Smash Bros tournament and just generally doing things to make their fans upset. I haven't seen Nintendo sales drop at all. If anything, they've gone up. So honestly, I'm not I don't know if there's a correlation that exists like in that relationship in the gaming industry. I don't know. In my opinion, there just isn't enough to be gained out of pulling shit like that to like 
describe it as a tinfoil hat theory, in my opinion. I certainly hope that's not what happened. Xbox just <laughs> riling everybody up knowing what would happen just to get a little good faith. That makes me have less faith in them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying is you're not like, oh, they listen to us. You're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> well, like if you look at the forums, there's there's a lot of people that are like, oh, wow, this is so cool that, you know, Microsoft is listening to us and they're, you know, they, they ter- they're taking feedback. Uh, then maybe I'm wrong. You know, but from my perspective, it's more of a like it was a bitch move to try and hike the price up. And ironically, it was a bitch move to back down the second you are met with any sort of criticism about it. I'll agree with that. If, if we're know, going with the idea that it's a bitch moves, if, if it's not, a, if we're going with the not tinfoil hat theory, which, you know, it is a long shot. Um, I think that if they didn't know all along that they were going to do this, then it's actually pretty cool that they backed back down off of it. Right. Because I mean, it takes a, it takes a big man to admit when they're wrong and they made a mistake. And I think that, you know, not doubling the price on people, like you said, you would is it's nice. It's nice to see when <laughs> in this day and age and nice for my wallet. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. going to pay yeah. double. <laughs> <laughs> I barely pay oh, now. Right. I use my my points from earning achievements on Xbox Live to buy my monthly subscriptions. You can do that? I didn't realize yeah. that was a thing either. Yep. They have a tab called Microsoft Rewards where, you know, you can check out this list of games or if you buy this game and earn an achievement in it. Or if you just complete like weekly checklists, you get uh, hundreds of points. And I think it's like 8000 points to get a free month of Xbox Live Gold. And so, yeah, sometimes they just hand out like 1500 points just for shits and gigs. So that's how I've been paying for my monthly subscriptions. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like Xbox. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So this this really wasn't even news because nothing actually happened. But I thought it would be fun to talk about. But we are running a little bit short on time here. So let's jump into some game releases, shall we? Peaches, what do you say, man? You want to do our game releases this week? Putting a lot on me, but yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think you can handle it. Welcome to the Game Tea Podcast. Oh, geez. Okay. So for the upcoming game releases on January 26th, we have Encodia releasing for PC. We have King Arthur Knight's Tale releasing for PC. And Stronghold War or Stronghold Warlords releasing for PC as well. So a bunch of or I want to say a bunch. Three January twenty sixth titles coming out. Looks like a bunch of indie stuff could be cool. All right, and yeah, we've got ourselves an episode, boys. Thank you for dealing with me, guys, with the whole COVID thing. Thank you for being accommodating, and I'm sorry to our fans for that. But you should have heard me when I tried to start talking the <laughs> other day. I was he was not good. It was rough. Describe. Describe it to me in your favorite adjectives. Death. Um, yeesh. <laughs> yeesh. <laughs> yeesh. Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously, guys, you do not want COVID. That was not fun. That was not fun. And given I think I probably had a more like serious reaction to the virus than most other people probably would have. But like, I'm in good health. All right. I'm not a smoker. I don't drink that much anymore. It's like. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like it, it, it can fuck you up. Could happen I mean, to anybody. People, you know, aren't taking it seriously, and it, it really it it can fuck you up. 
Absolutely. Well, hopefully all of this unpleasantness is behind us and now we can get back onto a normal recording schedule. And finally, one last thing. Peaches, this was your first official segment day with the podcast. What'd you think? I'm having a great time talking about games with my boys. What? What? Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. With that being said, I think it is time to wrap this up. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the Game Tea podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Later. If you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.